Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and as always, alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. If it's your first time listening to this podcast, it is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the Blaney racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself has been providing news notes and analysis to fans on social media since 2014. So go ahead and pull those belts tight and hang on as we throw the green flag on a recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Coca-Cola 600 this past weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Steve, we just got off fresh off the longest ever by miles Coca-Cola 600 in history. Um, unfortunately, I don't think this is going to be our longest podcast ever, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get to some of those details. But man, I mean, talk about an, an action pack week uh, for us, which we'll get to those details too. But um, just for NASCAR as a sport coming off the all-star race, all the buzz around Charlotte, uh, the truck series from the truck series race to the Xfinity series race to the cup series race drama at the end of every single one of those amazing racing throughout. I don't think, you know, Marcus Smith and everyone at Charlotte motor speedway really could have imagined anything better for this past weekend. Yeah. Charlotte, uh, Charlotte delivers, you know, it's, uh, it's quite the track, the mile and a half there, uh, the, the banking and the turns, everything is just right. And it always seems to be conducive to good racing and really, you know, the, this new car operated quite well, um, uh, at Charlotte, uh, we saw a lot of passing, uh, a lot of guys got up behind guys and figure out a way to get around them. If they were faster than them, there wasn't any of this stuff where you take away their line and give them dirty air and they can't get, get by you. If they were faster, they got by you. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And I mean, my concern, I mean, this was a long race. What, I mean, they started around five thirty, six o'clock ended just shy of midnight. Um, I was concerned because very early on, we had some, some of the tire issues that we've been seeing teams have, uh, with like left rear tires kind of blowing out. Um, again, we've talked before about it most likely having to do with setup and air pressures and things like that. But what that was causing was short runs, like for the first 200 miles of this race or 200 laps of this race, it was just tons of short runs. I think maybe the longest run they got into is about 30 plus laps. And, you know, I'm like, and this racing is awesome. These guys are still bunched up. And then it got me to thinking, and I could pose this question to you. And I posed it into our discord, I believe as well. Do you think that, you know, the racing was so good because there was really only about two stretches of long runs, so they were going to be bunched up all the time? Or do you think the new car was really conducive to the mile and a half setup that Charlotte has? I think, I think it was conducive, but on the other hand, with all the spin outs and the restarts and the spin outs and the restarts that caused a lot more action because, you know, on a restart, that's, that's where everything seems to happen, um, where you can gain a couple initial spots right off the bat. Um, so it was just that combination of everything, you know, and it's, it was like, uh, not that it was like, there were a couple crash crashes, but there were a lot of single car spins, a lot of yep. just guys just spinning out on their own, just getting into two or something and, and, and losing it. And, uh, uh this is, you know, what people were talking about with this car, that it was going to take a while for people to get a hold of it and, and figure out how to drive it. And it was difficult to drive. So. Uh, we saw a lot of that and it was, uh, what kind of made it more interesting as the night went on. I know it made for a long night. 
But on the other hand, it, you know, a couple of restarts, more restarts at the end, cautions, breed cautions. Um, they did have a green flag uh, pit cycle or two. Yep. Um, but uh, what do we have? Like 20 cautions, I think it was as the night went on. Uh, only 20 cars left running at the end of the night, <laughs> which is amazing amount of attrition. Um, but overall for the whole experience, if you're buckled in and, uh, and ready to go, you know, it, it was a great night. Now, those of us who are watching certain, certain guys, uh, you know, it was a little bit shorter night and, um, I kind of lucked out cause I didn't have to worry about getting writer's cramp, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I, like I said, amazing racing throughout the weekend, all three series, um, so why don't we go ahead? Let's jump right back into, as I said, our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And as it always has been all year long, starts here with practice and qualifying. Yeah, you know, he was in Group B on Saturday's practice. And uh, for the single lap in his group, he was actually overall was ninth best, um, about two and a half tenths back of, uh, of the five car. Um, but he had the second best 10 lap average. It was the 19 and then him. So um, this is something that, you know, qualifying you know, is, is hugely important. You want to be up in front, but because of the way these qualifying are now with an impound afterward, um, do you trim the car out to win qualifying and, and be on the pole and then adjust later and hope you can adjust it quick enough later? Or do you set the car up to be driven over the whole night long where you can just make your adjustments on, you know, on your pit stops the way you need to make them. And I think this is something that the, the team has started to go toward, you know, they got their couple polls earlier in the year yep. and, and it was nice that they did that, but a poll isn't worth what it used to be. It's not the extra point or anything like it used to be. So uh, let's worry more about, uh, you know, how the car is going to race and, uh, you know, he ends up sixth best in, in his uh, group for qualifying. So he ends up 11th overall and the 11 ends up on the pole and it's the, the two and the 34 are the two Fords that make the top 10. Um, so, you know, there are a couple Fords up there that showed a little bit of speed, but once again, I don't know if, you know, like the 34 car is the 34 car trimmed out for just qualifying and not really worried about what happens during the race. And they're going to fix it best they can during the race. You know, who knows? And that's kind of what those teams used to do. So maybe even they are getting kind of back to something like that because they would really, especially super speedways and some other tracks, you would see cars, you know, from that front row motorsports level qualify high every once in a while. I was a little bit concerned about all the Toyotas, you know, lining up, you know, in the top 10 for qualifying. We'll talk about fantasy racing a little bit later, but that also, you know, led me to starting a whole bunch of Toyotas in my fantasy lineup, which throughout this race looked great, looked like the worst decision of all time, and then circled back to good again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, something to keep in mind of just Ford. Ford's, you know, the last several weeks, we talked about Ryan outside of winning the all-star race has been a in a drought in points races from top tens. He's, you know, narrowly missed the top 10 a couple of times, uh, but Ford's overall, had been struggling, struggling a little bit. We're not sure horsepower, not sure aerodynamics, not sure just if, you know, Toyota and these Chevrolet teams have found something out that they just haven't found out yet in the Ford camp. Yeah. Um, so to start the day on Sunday to the rear, the seven, the five, the 10, the 41, the 47, the 50. So we got a, you know, a bunch of unapproved adjustments and so forth. Um, the 11 takes the top lane on the, on the start of the race. Uh, Ryan, of course, is in the bottom lane starting 11th. By lap three, though, he hurries up and gets to the high lane because everything gets stacked up. Um, he's back to 13th at this point. Um, and lap seven talks about zero turn in the front tires, and the nine passes him. He's back to 14th. 
Um, at lap 11, he does pass the 14 to get back to 13th. Uh, and the 23, the 18 are battling for the lead at this point. You know, it's kind of, you know, once again, the Toyotas are up front and interesting that it's uh, Kyle and, uh, and Bubba because they, they really kind of like, don't like each other, but like each other. It's, it's yeah. kind of a weird thing going on there. Yeah. It seems like they end up racing around each other a lot. It was cool. You know, Bubba, you know, at the all-star race and one of these races prior than Kansas where Kurt went to victory lane for 23, 11, showing a lot of speed and showing a lot of speed early on in this Coca-Cola 600. And you thought, you know, the 23 car is going to be a factor. Yeah. Um, but lap 13, uh, Ryan's starting to says it's starting to get a little better here. Let's see how it goes, you know, cause he's given some feedback about the, you know, any kind of adjustment they're going to make. Then we get a caution at lap 17, um, the 15, the 16 and the 17 all end up in this caution. Um, so Jonathan says, we're gonna take a small error pressure here to help the turn. Uh, they go in 13th, they come out 10th on the first pit stop. Um, but oops. We were speeding in section six. Yeah, I know. I texted you immediately after the stop. I'm like, all right, man, plus three. And I'd stepped away from the TV for a minute. And then I come back and you're like, yeah, but uh driver is speeding. Yeah. So it was uh, something, something about coming in the box somewhere between like 14 and 11 away, that timing line right there. So he goes tail end along his line. Uh, the restart is at lap 21. 18 is leading at this point. Um, uh, by uh let's see he's 30th for that restart and uh this is kind of cool here at lap you know because once we know what's going to happen from the from the back here and oh by the way in-car camera and uh i don't know i sometimes i'll put a picture out there because we put the in-car camera on the big screen up on top and uh these these kind of situations are awesome for the in-car camera because tv is not going to follow a guy who's running 30th uh you know they're going to follow the five ten guys in the top 10 there and Ryan just starts coming, uh, lap 23 is up to 23rd. I mean, it took two laps. He was seven guys. He passed at lap 24, 20 up to 22nd lap 26 passes 31. He's in the 21st at lap, uh, 28. He's up to 20th at lap 30. He passes the 34. He's up to 19th. And we get a caution at lap 31 for the 77 car. This is a uh, quickie yellow. He was 19th, uh, and they did pit, um, 19th and then come out 18th the five cars penalized so actually gains a spot on that it's up to 17th uh restart for the leader the 18 taking the top ryan took the top um at lap 38 is this restart and the top five cars stayed out so that makes this restart one of those restarts where you got fresher tires behind those guys and um like I said, Ryan took the outside lane, row eight. So he was like about what, 16th for the restart. And in parentheses, I put wow, because from the in car camera, he got to the outside lane and in one and two, basically, and he just launched around everybody. They were, he was top of three, top of three, but uh, he went all the way to 12th. <laughs> in the first two turns. Yeah, it was completely uh, ins- insane, completely yeah. insane. And you saw guys running that top lane throughout the rest of this race where you can just get a crazy amount of momentum, a little bit risky to run up there. And we saw that for a couple of guys, uh, but on these restarts, yeah, he was not, he wasn't afraid to do that to gain some positions oh, over those oh, guys in front of him. That was crazy launch. Uh, lap 41, he's up to 10th. Um, at lap 44, the eight does pass him. He's back to 11th. And then at lap 45, we had a caution for the 18. Whoa. 
you know, the 18. So like I said, cars, you didn't even expect are spinning out. He's up to 10th and the 99 is leading at this point. We have five Toyotas in the top 10. Um, they're staying out and two guys, uh, let's see two guys in front pit. Um, so he's P eight for the choose at this point. Leader 99 takes the top. Brian takes the top restart lap 50. He's up to ninth and at lap 53. He passes the 45. Um, he gets himself up to eighth and, uh, it must be a pretty good pass because Josh said, hell yeah, I like that. <laughs> so, you know, Ryan must have really taken it off around that 45 car at uh, lap 55, the 45 kind of comes back to him. And then we get a caution at uh, lap 60 for the seven car. So, um, Jonathan says, if it's split, we'll stay out. And, um, they, they do come in, um, they were pitting a ninth and they come out 10th. Um, there was a penalty for the five car. There were three cars that stayed out. So this is that point in time where they, they lost a little bit of position, but it wasn't based on the pit stop. It was actually based on, uh, uh a couple cars staying out. So there were 12 for the cone. The nine took the bottom Ryan took the top. Um, and they did a little air pressure and, and wedge in the right on this stop. So. Uh, lead restart was at lap 67 and he was 10th after two laps at, uh, lap 72. He passes the 22 for ninth at lap 76. He passes the 11 for eighth at lap 80. He passes the 99 for seventh, uh, lap 83, the 23 actually passes him. He's back to eighth. Um, and lap 89, uh, they tell him that the 23, the one and, and, and him are the three fastest cars out there. At lap 91, he does pass the 48, gets to seventh. At lap 93, he passes the 24, who was having an issue, uh, and gets to sixth. So we get um, the nine does win stage one, but Ryan does get uh, sixth place uh, stage points there. So pretty good first stage working his way up through those cars, uh, considering that he was you know buried in the back there for a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, at this point in the race, I'm pretty excited. You know, we've seen the pit crew deliver on the stops that they've had to make so far. Um, we've seen Ryan drive up through the field. People, I think were a little bit down in the discord chat and on Twitter a little bit because of that, that speeding penalty. And, you know, now he's not going to get any stage points. Well, uh, that driver of the 12 car kind of showed you that he could rebound from something like that. It got all the way back up there to get sixth place stage points, which these points will be important going forward now. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, at least we got something out of the day and uh, at least got to see an impressive run up through the field in that first stage. Uh, so the, the Ryan sells him, but the front still isn't working and uh, they're pitting in sixth, come out sixth. Uh, the nine uh, takes the, the bottom. Ryan takes the bottom on this choose. Uh, the restarts at lap 106. He's up to fifth. Um, at lap 123, he's, you know, fifth uh, position. And he's the top forward. At lap 120, I've got a caution for the 23 car. Ryan is up to fourth at this point. Um, pitting, he goes in uh, fourth, out third. Uh, the nine is leader taking the bottom again, and Ryan takes the bottom. So we get a restart at lap 131 in uh, third position. At lap 142, the 45 passes, so he's back to uh, fourth. Then we get a caution at lap 146 for the two car. Now, a little bit of confusion on this because Jonathan does say if you can get front row, then stay out. And they did stay out. And almost everyone else pitted behind him. 
So there wasn't much of a buffer between, you know, the tires and so forth. So, um, you know, it, it was good and bad, but on the other hand, um, it was pointed out too, that big picture, uh, Jonathan says, this is actually probably a good move. And they were basing that on tires. You know, they were given 12 sets of tires to start the race. Some of these teams were actually putting their scuffs on at some point in there because of the fact that they thought they were all going to run out of tires. And I think they got pretty close to it actually as the night went on. Um, so restarts at lap, uh, 151, Ryan, of course, taking the bottom there. Uh, I think the five was the other car that stayed out. There was yep. just two, two of them that were, were out together. Um, the restart, the five does pass Ryan in the first lap there. And he's back to second at lap, um, 153, the one passes and at lap 154, the 48 passes. So the fresh tires start to come a little bit. But if if he can hang on long enough, these tires will equalize out too. So it wasn't uh, so crazy though. Like he was mm-hmm. hanging up there. Like these guys weren't just passing them left and right. It was like mm-hmm. pass. Like you said, a couple of laps go by, another pass. And I was shocked, quite honestly. <laughs> I thought at this point he would be, you know, back into the back of the top ten, possibly. And I was hoping for maybe top fifteen. But yeah, he really hangs tough. And I, I don't know if that's you know good uh, for what the the setup in the car was or. Um, he was running the high lane, which I talked about the high lane, giving you a lot of momentum and kind of forcing guys to pass you low. So I think he was putting himself in the right positions here to keep position on the racetrack. Yeah. They, um, lap 157, I have him here battling with the eight. So they kind of go back and forth and it takes three or four laps before the eight finally does pass him. So he's back to fifth. Um, and at lap 163, um, he does hit the wall here. <laughs> You know, the, the being on the older tires and sliding around a little bit uh, ends up back to ninth at that point, which is, you know, he's, he's sliding around, he's hitting the wall. It's he still loses, not bad. Didn't really lose yeah, that many spots. As I many spots that, you know, got the momentum, got it gathered back up. And actually two laps later, we get a caution for the five car who was having his worst night ever, as he said. Uh, and Ryan's in ninth at this point. So, you know, we come in and we get some tires and, you know, how about these single car spins? A lot of them kept happening where these guys had to go down into the chicane <laughs> and it seemed like, you know, they're, they're preparing, they're preparing for the, the Roval a little bit later in the year here. You're seeing it on, I think the front stretch in the back. And I think some of it has to do with a bump that's coming out of four uh, where a lot of them were losing it if they ran that middle line. So, um, but it was, it was just funny. It seemed like every time they're ending up, ending up on a part of the Roval track. Yeah. 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 Um... Jonathan makes a small adjustment to tighten them up a little bit. They're pinning from not the, they lose one spot basically to the four car here. Um, 21 cars staying out. So he's, uh, he's 22 for the cone. Um, so this is kind of cool. Cause now he's got the fresh tires behind some of these guys. Uh, the leaders, the nine car taking the outside. Ryan takes the bottom. Uh, we restart at lap uh, 170. He's in uh, 22nd by lap 175. He's up to 18th. By uh, 178, he's up to 16th, and by lap 182, he's passed the 47 car. He's up to 13th. So, you know, there we go. About 12 laps, about 10 spots. You know, pretty easily. You know, fresh tires and faster car, and then we get a caution at lap 186 for the nine car. Um, Ryan's in 12th. Uh, they're staying out, and eight or so behind him stay out. So they're they're, they're this time he actually gets a little bit of a buffer. Um, let's but, talk about the, the nine car, the nine car isn't able to, to continue on in this race and they, you know, they tap the wall. So remember Ryan hit the wall earlier 
And it seems like we the next-gen cars, composite bodies, so they're not really getting too many tire rubs from hitting the wall. But one thing that we have been seeing all year long is the toe links breaking in these cars. And so if they hit the, the wall at a very specific angle, it, it'll bend or break the toe links, and they just can't keep going on. And, you know, the 9 car looked perfectly fine. You know, it was scraped up a little bit on the side. But, you know, the crew's down there. They get a saw. You know, they're trying to fix that car. And eventually, you know, they're not able to, to continue on in this race. So if, if there's one weak link and it's almost literally a link in this car, mm-hmm. it are the, are these, you know, these tow links and yeah. the rear end and, you know, front end of these cars that, that are breaking. And it's just, man, if they could figure that out, I know, I think, you know, Larry, Larry McReynolds and some other folks have said that NASCAR has actually already addressed that and beefed them up from where they were earlier in the season, but maybe that might be, need to be an off season thing where, cause that would be the perfect thing. If they could just, fix maybe that part these cars would be so much more durable because we do want to be able to see you know ryan or somebody you know make some wall contact and continue on and for the most part we're seeing that no more cut tires but sometimes they you know hasn't um well until a little bit later happened to ryan but um just in a a small contact thing it's just you know had to been frustrating for the the nine car fans out there to see their driver you know out of this race from something that didn't seem like that big of a hit right um, yeah, single car spin shouldn't necessarily take you out sometimes, but yeah. Um, so this choose the one takes the top and Ryan is in P six here taking the bottom. Um, they, they restart lap one ninety one, and this is where it happens on the front stretch of the restart. He's following the eight car. And this is something like the in car camera can show you to some extent when they push each other on these restarts they get so close to the guy in front of them they really can't see anything but the window the rear window of the guy in front of them so he's not really able to see the track itself he's following the guy in front of him and kind of hoping that that guy's running a certain line and they they want to stay stay straight together because if they don't you know somebody's going to get turned um they both clip the grass, the infield AstroTurf on the way through the trial. They get down to turn one and Reddick realizes he's too low and he wiggles his way up quickly. And by the time Ryan realized what was going on and tried to correct the same thing, it was too late. And there was really nothing he could do at that point to, you know, correct it, overcorrect it, whatever. But the timing of, you know, it's one thing to do this when you're running by yourself. Once again, maybe you can keep from hitting the wall and continue, but he gets sideways basically in front of the field and just, you know, what do we got? We got, uh, um, the 12, the four, the 12, the four, the 11, the 16, the 19, the 21, the 34, the 38, the 45, 24, six, 23, all involved in one one way, shape, or form. I had to had to go find my computer here to, to to read all the numbers off. I had some of them written down, but not all of them. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we talk about. It. I mean, it, it's going to happen. You know, these drivers. You know, obviously, huge fans of Ryan Blaney, considering we we have a podcast for him. But you know, they're going to make mistakes. It's not the first time he's made a mistake and, and caused a crash. He's caused some crashes on super speedways before, and um. Yeah, like you said, it just really stinks when it happens. He had such a fast car. It happens on this restart where things are happening quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish, you know, it would have been there's because sometimes these these spins happen and everybody gets by and everything's fine. But in this case, he just a lot of people on that start are running up high and he slid up high and basically everyone just piled into each other. And 
Um, there was a moment where I thought, you know, I just talking about tow links and things where, you know, Ryan's car, because the composite body didn't look that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as he's, you know, pull, was able to finally pull away, he kind of looked like he was driving sideways. And from that point, you kind of know it's, it's terminal because of, of the suspension and, and stuff breaking. And um, this takes out a few other cars in the field for the race. Uh, we were talking a little bit about Bubba Wallace, who had such a fast car running up front early. Bubba's, you know, had a single car spin earlier that just spun down through uh, the infield in the Roval course and was fine. And this one, he pretty much just spun again and they, they come down pit road and I think they put on some fresh tires and, you know, from that point they're technically because they're in the crash, they're on that, uh, the damage vehicle policy, which you get six minutes to fix it. They didn't even spend the full six minutes on pit road, but what they do from what I understand is they, you know, when this restart happens, they hang back, um, try to save some tires and save or stay out of any issues that might happen. But unfortunately, when you come off a pit road and restart, when you're on the damage vehicle policy, you have three laps to make minimum speed. And I think a, did a caution come out quickly again or something? They didn't make minimum speed and they had a fairly decent car. They could have continued on with and they're out of the race. And I know it's kind of a loophole or something, you know, they didn't expect, um, but I'm sure Bubba and the uh, booty Barker and that 23 team was, was pretty frustrated and they've learned a lesson. So, you know, a couple of mistakes there, a mistake by Ryan on the track, mistake by that team in the pits and not understanding the, the rule book there. Um, feel bad for all the other, I think the six car and some other ones were also out of the race after that incident. Um, just unfortunate. You can't really make too many excuses. Like you said, you did your best to explain what happened. And that's one thing we try to do on this show is we just try to give you the facts um, of what happened in an incident or a call or, you know, pit stop or, or something like that. And um, you know, let you come up with your own conclusions, but, yeah. Ryan made a mistake. He owned up to the mistake in his, his interview after he kind of apologized, you know, you know, for the, a lot of those cars getting torn up and, you know, we don't want to see that happen this year, but you know, Ryan's going to get caught up in something, you know, later on this year, I'm sure. And later on into his career where it wasn't any of his doing either. So mm-hmm. um, all I can say it happens, we'll move on. Luckily got some stage points there uh, finishing six in the first stage, but I think yeah. he really could have. And it's unfortunate because, you know, Chase goes out of this race and it's an opportunity for Ryan to gain on him and points. If he can just finish out the next three stages, it doesn't get that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. We get um, the, the restart lap 197 with the one leading, but the 99 actually passes him before the end of the stage and the 99 wins stage uh, stage two. Um, yeah, I, the, the rest of the night, you know, I, I you don't want me to go through it in detail or. <laughs> I mean, we can. I mean, it was I mean, it was a long, like I said, from the start here. And we knew this going in because of the way these cars handled that a lot of people are saying, you know, this is going to be a long night. I think last year's race was four and a half hours or something like that. And people were saying, you know, this this one might go another hour. And it does. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's some red flags along the way. There's some more cautions some more crashes. And um, I thought maybe people weren't going to be into all the crashes and cars going out. And like you said, you know, 20 or fewer cars finishing the race. But I think the racing itself was so good that it made up for some of these incidents that happened. Yeah. In stage three, uh, we get one caution for the 16 spinning um, off of turn four. And, uh, you know, he, uh, 
he causes the one caution basically in the whole stage. And so they run the stage three pretty clean. Um, and we get the one car winning stage three. So we get two track house cars winning stages in this, 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 uh, thing here, uh, stage four is where it does pick up. Um, we get, uh, a caution about lap three, three thirty something here with the eight car losing the, the left rear tire. <laughs> um, that so was bad he, enough because they knew he knew, you know, 10 laps before that something was going wrong, but it's just so you're just trying to hang on till the next pit stop or something. And then it just gives way. Yeah. And then we get the, you know, restart with the one leading and the five uh, on the outside, the 99 goes up the track, the 14 turns and nine and the 99 sending him sideways across the field. The 99 collects the 38, the 17, who slides through the infield and then flips barrel rolls four and a half times uh, at the end of the infield grass. It comes to a stop on the roof. Now that was interesting because they had commented earlier in the race about how they put the uh, asterisk down there on the infield, how great it was. And it really was great. Um, what happened with the 17 had nothing to do with the AstroTurf. Nope. They thought they thought it hit a drain or something. It yeah, didn't not even the, that. It didn't hit a drain. But that way it was sliding sideways and the tire blew. And then when the tire blew, something caught. And when it caught, it broke that tire loose. And then it was a piece of the frame, I guess, from underneath there that caught. And then boom, and just start rolling. And it was, it was crazy. It was, it was, thank God people walk away from these things now, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, it, and you can still see um, the one difference, at least I kind of noticed. And I mean, this car did end up pretty damaged, but they've talked about the next gen car being very rigid and it is very rigid. Um, the composite body doesn't just tear to shreds. So that was one difference is with the old car. Like, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, even going further back, but like Elliot Sadler and some other people, you know, flipping at Talladega and things like that. Those cards used to just rip to shreds. And I mean, there wasn't a huge impact for this guy for the 17. He did get clipped and then spun, you know, quickly. So I think that's part of the reason why. But that was my only concern was just, you know, maybe he took a real hard hit because not a lot of this car is torn apart. Um, it did take a while to uh, to flip it over. I mean, they use kind of a winch and some other processes, but they'll always say, you know, we're in contact with the driver this whole time. If if there was a more serious situation, they would have been, you know, moving a lot faster. But I think more for his comfort, they kind yeah. of went slow. It can't be too fun hanging upside down like that, but really he, glad that Chris Busher was able to walk away for sure. Yeah, he, he had the window net down automatically. He was upside yeah. down and the window net was down. And that's, you know, the one thing they do to, 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 to let the safety guys know that they're awake and alert, you know? So yeah, they, they did a good job of, you know, it, it seemed like it took a long time, but it really didn't. The red flag was only like 11 or 12 minutes. Yep. Um, they went to yellow and, um, the next restart, uh, the one is, is leading again. So the five passes, the one at some point during there. And then, um, you know, we get the 14 also up there. He passes the one gets to second. So we got the, looks like our best cars here. All of a sudden at the, at the end, the five car actually starts to join the fray. Um, but, uh, right near the end here, the five gets loose entering turns turn one and the 14 dives low to make the pass, but gets loose under the five and the 14 spins through turn two and has, has, uh, flat front tires. <laughs> You know, so now we got our, you know, we get to going toward green, white checker time, you know? Yeah. It was, it was reminiscent of the Bristol dirt race that I got to see up there in person where, um, the, the good part is that Briscoe didn't take out the leader, you know, at Bristol, he took out Reddick who was going for his first win. Um, obviously Larson's won several races in a championship at this point. 
but I was glad he didn't end up clipping the the five car and just really was more uh, detrimental to him. So we got the the first overtime attempt, the five uh, leading the inside, and the one is on the outside. Uh, the twenty two is in the second row, and you know that's you know the twenty two, and then you got the forty seven on the outside of that second row. So the so 40s, many three. Yeah. I mean the five. I I feel like you know he can be aggressive at times, but between the one, the forty seven, and the twenty two, like. I didn't know what was going to happen on this restart because they are going to be all for themselves. Yeah. So the five goes out to the lead. The three gets a run off a turn four low under the five and takes the lead. The three takes the lead, but then gets out of shape and checks up and is hooked by the five. The three spins on the front stretch, collects the five, the one, the 22, the 41, and the 11 somehow gets underneath all that and prevails as a leader as it was four wide on the bottom when the three spun crazy and that run the three had was just insane and i you know i'm not you know an rcr fan or austin dillon fan or something but at that moment i'm like man i hope he wins this race because that was amazing and as soon as i could even just get that thought out of my head you see him spin right into the wall and it's ah it didn't work out and i mean some people were blaming it on him i mean i don't know i feel like he made executed the move perfectly but you know when they're four wide coming back you know the outside lane was getting a run there and larson i think bobbled a little bit and just turns them and then um, you mentioned Larson said early on in this race, it was kind of a tale of two races for him. Um, they played that audio of his crew chief, Cliff Daniels, like given one of those, like, you know, halftime speeches that like yeah. a football coach would give. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty amazing. Uh, my favorite part of it was like, he, you know, when he said that one pit stop, you know, the car cut fire, he's like, we were literally on fire <laughs> at one point in this race. And now, you know, we have a shot here to reset. So um, if you have a chance to go back and listen to that, I thought that was pretty cool, but mm-hmm. it just shows you the leadership you know, values that these, these crew chiefs need to have to kind of reset their drivers. And it worked up until that moment. And you see, yeah, another swath of, of cars. And this is where I was saying early, you know, I looked really great in my fantasy. I started all these Toyotas and then kind of Chevys and Fords dominate the middle of this race. And here's where that, that Toyota luck comes into play this year Mm -hmm. where the 11 and the 18 and some of these other guys, you know, sneak back through this crash and they're back here on the front row for this restart. Yeah, so we get um, the second attempt at the overtime finish, the 11 leading the inside, the one's outside, um, but the one has damage. So, you know, he's going to slow that high lane up. Um, the 18 does get to second, and, uh, you know, 11 wins, uh, wins the race. Um, you know, good night for Denny. That's about all I can say. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> I mean, Denny, I don't feel like he did anything. There was a, there was a lot of periods of this race where he and Logano were running pretty hard for each other. And I think that stems from what they were doing to each other on pit road as well. Um, yeah. But this some something Denny Hamlin seems to do. He can, he can hang around. And uh, another thing Denny Hamlin does is he wins big races. You know, what, three Daytona 500s, two Southern 500s. And I think I've seen two or two of his Daytonas and I've seen one of his Southern 500 victories. And then now, finally, the current set of crown jewels uh, finishes that off for his resume and, and wins the Coca-Cola 600. So um, good for him. Again, not not a huge fan or anything, but uh, I was a fan of the race. Uh, I wish Ryan would have been able to stick it out all the way to the end here because I think with the cars that were, you know, still running, he had a decent shot, you know, top five or, you know, winning this race. And just unfortunate, but uh, that's that's what happens sometimes. This is, this is one of those types of races that Ryan ends up winning. You know, we get uh, goofy carnage. He avoids it. He's patient. 
and then he takes a shot at the end. And, and that's, that's the part that's really sucks about it is if uh, he gets through the issue he had, uh, he probably would have been there at the end too, with a bunch of those guys. And, you know, I take my chances if he gets, gets to be a top four starter on a restart at the end of a race, you know, the other thing that's kind of funny that happens here, I don't have the finish up right now, but uh, Briscoe and Larson, I think both end up with top 10 still <laughs> in this race. The 47 car, I think extends his top 10 streak to four straight. So that's for that JTG, JTG team. That's kind of impressive. So, and you see guys like Michael McDowell, I think finishing up there as well. I think I made a joke at one point. I thought Kaz Grala was going to get a top 15, but I think he was too far down on laps in that 50 car for the money team. So um, mm-hmm. with the attrition, it was almost, you know, the, I went, the race was not like a Talladega or Daytona. There were some big crashes, uh, but the finish lineup was very similar to what you see at Talladega or Daytona. So that's our recap of the Coca-Cola 600 Ryan Blaney ends up even with all that attrition before his crash, he still ends up in the twenties, 29th finish for, okay. for Ryan and the 12 team. Unfortunately, that doesn't do a lot for them. They slipped two positions in the NASCAR cup series point standings, uh, just the main standings, not the playoff standings. So uh, the good news though, is Denny Hamlin's a repeat winner this year. So there's still um, what 11, 11 winners so far. So Ryan, you know, again, if he wins a race, he'll vault back up to the top of the point standings. And we're hoping that it's not uh, if it's a when and just a matter of time. So we we had just had the all-star race at Texas. We were just at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And now for something completely different. The NASCAR <laughs> Cup Series is headed to Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. Now, this is going to be a familiar, a familiar track for you NASCAR Camping World Truck Series fans as they've run at Gateway, Gateway for several years. It's been one of those tracks that... Uh, when people are talking about the Cup Series schedule, you know, what markets do we kind of want to go to? What tracks deserve it? And Gateway has been one of those tracks that come that comes to mind, and they finally get a Cup Series date. Um, it's a little bit of a unique track. If you look at it overhead, it looks like it's shaped like Darlington with, you know, a, a, I, and I can't remember if it's, it's flipped as well, but they have, you know, a wide sweeping turn and then a, a tighter turn. But one thing you were kind of saying is it's it's a little bit flatter. Then. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, it's shaped like Darlington, but it's not banked like Darlington. No, it's going to be, it's going to be more like, it's going to race probably more like Martinsville to tell you the truth, because it's going to be a flatter bank to hopefully get up underneath somebody before you get to the turn kind of situation. Hopefully it does not end up being one of the shifting tracks because. <sighs> I mean, yeah. I, you know, I feel like it's going to be, it's unfortunate. I think again, we talked about them looking at tow links. I think that's the other thing at some point, maybe this year, definitely in the off season, nobody is a fan of this. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Talks about it on podcast all the time that he has, um, you know, some of the TV commentators, the drivers like me, I was just so angry after just seeing it happen, you know, guys shifting at Martinsville, like just boiled my blood just because it, it takes their mind off of racing. And it ruins any kind of run that you could get, you know, when you're trying to make a pass because the guy in front of you could just shift and take off down the front stretch or back stretch. So please, no shifting. Um, I am a little bit concerned. I'm not sure what the weather is going to be like yet for this week there uh, out there at Gateway. But, you know, it was really cold at Martinsville and the racing wasn't great. Um, hope if hopefully the temperature is a little bit higher out there for this race, especially if people are thinking it might race something like a Martinsville or a Phoenix uh, just to see, because the next gen cars have been great on all the intermediate tracks except for Texas, and um, great on the super speedways. 
the short tracks have been a little bit of a problem this year. Do you have any, any reservations or you're just kind of in a wait and see mode? Yeah. I just kind of want to see what happens. To tell you the truth. I mean, uh, Ryan actually has a little experience at this track, at least one race there in the truck series. So kind of, it's kind of good that, uh, cause not too many guys will have that to tell you the truth in the, in the field. Um, I think 36 cars entered, um, dent wizard back this week, which is always kind of a cool look on the, on the 12 car. Um, so yeah, I just want to wait and see what it looks like. You know, let's see what practice looks like. Let's see what qualifying looks like. Um, see what kind of weekend we have. I mean, it could be, could be great, you know, just based on having a little more experience there than anybody else. Yeah. Obviously I want him to go out there and sit on the pole and lead every lap and win every stage and win the race. Uh, I know that's not, you know, logical thinking and not likely to happen, but it'll be great if it did. Uh, you brought up the fact that he does have some experience there. He does have a one truck series start there in 2014 for Brad Keselowski racing started 14th and finished seventh. So not too shabby, you know, he didn't mm-hmm. set the world on fire or anything, but at least he has seen this track before and not going in completely blind. I'm sure a lot of these guys have been on the simulator for the last couple of weeks or, uh, I racing or something just to try to get familiar with their braking zones and um, where they can carry momentum and other things through these turns, how to enter the turn and come off and practice probably some of that shifting that, you know, we're unfortunately probably going to see. So uh, again, if you want to uh, tune into this race, let me give you that information here. It's going to be the enjoy Illinois 350 this Sunday, June 5th at worldwide technology raceway or gateway that it's been known for several years. Uh, you can catch this race on Sunday. Wow. Let me pull that up here. 2 30 yeah. PM. Eastern time. No, I um, have three, I have three, two 30, PM, uh, local, central local time, yeah. three 30 yeah. PM. Eastern time. Um, practice and qualifying is going to happen on Saturday. Uh-uh. And, uh, or am I just wrong on everything? Well, practices, they've got practice on Friday, qualifying on Saturday. Oh, that's confusing. It's yeah. Which is totally that weird. Seems weird. I, yeah, so that's what I was going to say. <laughs> or at I least I, I'm this, wrong, but I wasn't. I'm, wasn't I'm on, I'm on NASCAR.com. Yeah, that's weird. And it's, it's five o'clock for practice on the third and then on the fourth at 11 AM qualifying. And then the race is, is, uh, on the, on the fifth at three 30 and it's, it's the enjoy Illinois 300. Well, all I have to say is, um, Two, 240 laps, 300 miles. I get most of my information from uh, <laughs> from website and they're letting me down a little bit, but it is weird. I mean, it's weird to have that stuff split. Yeah. I don't understand that either. I'm sure, I'm sure the, uh, the spotters, spotters and the, are the teams are enjoying this. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have an extra day for what, you know, now Josh will, Josh will be doing a double duty with the truck series, but uh, some of those guys that, you know, only spot for one thing, you know, now they got to be there for three days instead of two, you know, That's- it wouldn't hurt it wouldn't hurt my feelings if they did qualifying the morning of. No, I mean, that wouldn't be too bad. I know when you're at the track, I mean, if you're there for the the race that happens on Saturday or something, it's a little bit, it's a little bit better to have some more entertainment. Um, one other thing to mention too, is that the NASCAR Xfinity series is going to be in Portland. So this is kind of a, a split weekend uh, for NASCAR. And I know that's going to make uh, our, our, Northwest native, uh, Nicole Stellinarius, who does the, the scanner live tweet happy because she, she always jokes about being in NASCAR Siberia 
And finally, at least one series of NASCARs is coming out to, to visit her. So uh, I'm sure she's going to be out at the track this weekend and mm-hmm. uh, wish her well. And hopefully she sees some, some good racing from the Xfinity series. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. All right, Steve. Um, so we previewed what we could have gateway. We don't have a lot to, to go on except for you know, like Ryan's one truck series start. So um, we've looked at the future, but let's take one more step back into the past here um, because it was an important week in the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league, because I'm happy to report because you did good. <laughs> I did. Um, and there were points of this race where it didn't look so good for me. Um, I've said it like three or four times now, you know, Toyota's look great at the beginning, not so great toward the middle. And they survived the carnage and the attrition to um, help me <laughs> to, to a really good uh, result here in, in the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league. So let me go through. Now I said, that I was going to be Toyota heavy. And I was, I was very Toyota heavy, except for one. I had the defending champion Kyle Larson in my lineup. So lineup was as follows. Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, and Denny Hamlin. So um, really the only, the only one there that didn't work out as well for me was Kurt Busch. And I had Ryan in the garage. So let's take a look at my featured matchups too. I picked Kyle Busch over Larson. That was great. I picked Martin Truex Jr. over Chase Elliott. That was right. I picked Ryan Blaney over Kurt Busch. That was right. Just barely talking. This is back of the field here. Ryan finished 29th, Kurt 31st. And then I, again, I've swept the featured matchups. I think this is what pushed me over the top. Daniel Suarez over Bubba Wallace. Again, close. Two cars that didn't finish this race, 25th and 28th. So um, that vaulted me up uh, in the in the standings for just this week. Uh, what were you looking at for your starting lineup? Okay. Well, I split the, I split the, uh, the matchups. I got two and two. Um, I had Denny Hamlin and then I had Byron and Bowman, um, Kyle Bush, Martin Truex. Um, my only mess up here is I had Tyler Riddick in the garage. So if I would have taken him out of the garage for the right guy, I've been about a 40 point swing, but yeah, who knows, you know, when those things happen and all those crashes happen and so on and so forth, I wasn't really paying attention to my fantasy lineup. Um, we kind of watched the 12 car go off the track and I was watching the, the in-car camera because they pulled it all the way into the garage. <laughs> it was like watching them get out of the car and everything. So, yeah, I wasn't paying attention to my fantasy lineup at that point. I wasn't even I- sure where I was supposed to, like, when you could change people out here. Could you go all the way to the end of the, the third stage or was it still... I think, it was probably, or, I think it was probably that's still the second stage. Still the second stage. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even mess around. I was like, I was like, there's going to be so much carnage in this race and I always have Ryan in the garage. So I just kept him there and that, that worked out well. Um, so let's take a look at this and uh, let's take run through the top 10 in points earned this past week at Charlotte motor speedway for the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league. I think I see a couple new names in here, including my own, mm-hmm. uh, but in first, Bud King with 227 points in second. Ah, seven, two, three, 217 points in third. Big burn, 203 points in fourth. Skeet 22, 194 in fifth. Eric D 15, 193 also tied for fifth math mom four. Uh, here's mine right here. Seventh place finish. One of my highest of the season team Blaney host Admiral Adam 191 points. So not too shabby and not too far um, off the lead, you know, 30 plus points out of first but uh not too bad tied for eighth here we have joe lopez one and vans 12 with 188 points and rounding out the top 10 we have the defending champion and clyde's chicken pit racing with 186 points 
I'm trying to find you here. You sometimes I usually look ahead of time just to see, but man, um, I can't even find you. You're down. <laughs> you were down 29. All right. So not too bad. I, I, I assume some things here and I scrolled down to the 40s. So 29th for Mez. 29th. And if I make the swap that I should have made, it uh, would have been 40 points difference and I would have been in the top five. So my, right. my mistake from not paying attention, but it's my now, mistake. I have to I have to tell you, I mean, I'll get to me toward the end here, but the, the race for like 25th on back is real tight. So me just having a couple of good weeks here has, has vaulted me up into the standings here mm-hmm. Yeah, and not in, Oh, wow. Yeah. We're getting, we're getting closer again. So mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. take a look at the overall league standings for the team lady NASCAR fantasy live league. And we actually have a new leader out front this week, uh, but she's always been a contender all year long. We have math mom four in the first position, 2,664 points. In second, Bulldog 0277, who had the lead for a little while there, 2,646 points. In third, again, the defending champion, Clyde Chicken, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, 2,632 points. Fourth, the Dalai Lama 4, 2,623. Fifth, Eric D15, 2,609. Sixth, Fry Gal 12, 2,608. Seventh, Moose Hunter 1960, 2,599. Eighth, Two Bushes, No Johnsons, 2,587. Ninth, Blaney Kicks, beep, 2,566. And rounding out the top 10 in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League after the Coca-Cola 600 is Joe Lopez won 2,554 points. Um, When it comes to our teams, you are in the 24th position, 2,437 points. And I have closed this gap. So we have Alyssa C in between us and 25th and my team up to 26 in the standings, 2,423 points. So not too far behind. I think I would have to say this might be, especially this far into a season, the closest we've ever been. You're usually, you're usually way far ahead of me. And sometimes I can do well during the playoffs, but I'm pretty proud of hanging tough with you this season. Yeah, I still don't have this next-gen car figured out yet. <laughs> You're still working on setups at the shop. You got to do right. some more simulation. Run some yeah. more simulation. I can't get I can't get myself a top-10 start, let alone a top-10 finish. So, again, um, we are full right now. Uh, I might be able to bump a few people out if they haven't participated in a little while, and it looks like there are a couple uh, that I might be able to, to remove here if anybody else wants to join in. Uh, welcome to Jordan Daniels, who joined in. We always say, you know, you can just pop in anytime during the season and have some fun. Uh, Jordan's a member of the Blaney, the Team Blaney Discord chat that, you know, follows along during the race. And we kind of chat through the ups and downs of all the races. And Jordan's in that. And he mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he finally broke down and joined the Fantasy League. So welcome, Jordan. You're in the 96th position. Um, you can only go up from here. <laughs> so um, heading into Gateway, an unknown I have no idea who to put in my lineup. It's, it's not in inter, necessarily, you know, a real intermediate track. It's kind of flat. Normally I'd say somebody like Denny Hamlin who does have some momentum here and is good, usually good at a place, you know, like Martinsville, though he's horrible at Martinsville. So man, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know who to put in. Yeah. This is just, I, I got to watch practice just to see who handles the track. Well, to begin with and then watch qualifying and, and, and see who, who gets themselves to the front. I think it becomes a track position race. I really do just, you know, so whoever can be up there and has the right strategy to stay up there 
you know, so, I mean, just want to see who starts top 10, I guess, and maybe make my picks from there. I really don't know if it's going to matter um, a lot about arrow or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm with you and uh, uh, full disclosure. You want to know when I made my picks this week? Hmm. National Anthem. Nice, <laughs> I, nice, I, re- nice. I remembered I was right down to the, the end there. And that's when I just dropped all the Toyotas in because watch watching practice and qualifying, they were fast. So I said, yeah, I'm going to throw the defending champion Larson in the lineup. Keep Ryan in the garage. Like he's been almost all season for me. And, uh, and, uh, and do them now. <laughs> I almost, so I had one of my best weeks ever and I was, you know, a couple of minutes away from forgetting to do it. So but it doesn't matter. I got those picks in. So yeah, exciting for me. Um, one other thing to note that we didn't talk about was, and he's been in the booth for a couple of times, a couple of races this year, but Ryan was part of the NASCAR Xfinity series broadcast when they did the drivers only broadcast. Did you get to catch any of that over the weekend? Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Um, because basically within the first five minutes, they start picking on the window net situation. Um, and there was a restart where somebody, uh, did something on a restart and you pointed out quickly to me that uh, he said, and he said, thank you. And he said, thank you. Yeah. It was about lane <laughs> so choice. And, <laughs> and, it, and it took me back. Um, and I was to, like, uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Was that Michigan? It was Michigan. It was Michigan last season. Yeah. yeah one of our, you know, the sound bites we play from time to time on there was, yeah, <laughs> they left me bottom. And I said, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very familiar, uh, always a fun thing. I mean, it can get a little bit hectic sometimes, you know, the guys are inexperienced. Kevin Harvick is the last couple of years been leading the booth. And I thought, you know, as a whole and Ryan and Joey play really well together. So yeah, I thought it worked out great. No, actually, that's the funny part is they do a really good job together. They're really concentrating hard on what they're doing, and they do a good job together. There was somebody pointed out at one point where Harvick and Logano were commenting on a pass for the lead, and the and the uh, director had chosen some camera angle of some car going down pit lane or something. Yes. Who was some sort of you know who knows what position that car was in, but the pass was happening on the backstretch, and Logano made the comment like, eh, "What you would see right now is it's like, <laughs> wow, yeah, you know, that made rounds on social media. Yeah, that was yeah. that was interesting. I think at one point Harvick's even heard in the background like, "Hey, can you guys switch to the the the, yeah. the, the battle on the backstretch here? That's going to be for the race lead. Yeah." The race state so you know that tells you how how uh you know because tv is not easy you got a guy in your ear telling you one thing and you're trying to interact with the people next to you and traffic wise um in, in that situation harvick is the is the lead uh he's not an analyst he's the lead so he's playing uh traffic director and if you notice most of the time they direct traffic joey then ryan yeah um they have it kind of lined up that way um so all that's going on and yet you know Kevin's doing a good enough job to be able to tell the people in the booth, what are we doing here? We got to, you know, we should be showing the leader. So yeah, they, they worked really well together. Um, it was kind of cool. Ryan has done that broadcast before as a pit reporter. Um, but in the booth, he's pretty smooth. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting. Uh, I, you know, the booth, I think it might be a little bit easier. Maybe not. I mean, I've never done anything like that specifically outside of radio before. Uh, but the pit reporter's job, man, you know, has to be one of the hardest jobs all day long. And they had Tyler Reddick and they had the third P- team Penske uh, teammate down there in Austin Sindrick. And I don't know how many people even caught it. Almost every time they went to Austin, he embedded some sort of a joke <laughs> into his coverage that I thought it was kind of funny. You don't really see a lot of Sindrick 
you know, out in the, in the media or anything too much since, you know, like the Penske files or when with you, it's BKR trying to win, you know, most popular driver, you saw a little bit. Um, so I thought it was kind of funny to see him and showcase his personality a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's kind of got that Matt Kenseth style dry sense of humor and slipping in pretty much a joke every single time, even when he was <laughs> interviewing guys uh, coming out of the care center, he still, still was able to slip in some jokes here and there when he knew they were okay. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I can't remember if, if NBC does any of the drivers only stuff or not. Uh, but Fox has been doing it for the last several years. I know. What was it? Um, was it Pocono when Ryan won his first race? I think he actually was a pit reporter on the drivers only race. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, for the the xfinity series race that i think was it keselowski won keselowski won it and then the next day ryan turns around wins the cup race and they let keselowski go into victory lane and interview him after his win which was that was that was great that was an awesome moment so Mm -hmm. um big thumbs up for those driver drivers only things i know there's some fans out there that you know they miss their traditional adam alexander's and other people that are in the booth for those races but uh, I thought it was, I thought it was just fine. And just another opportunity for them to, for Kevin, you know, who's, you know, in the late stages of his career and has already kind of said, you know, maybe, you know, the booth is somewhere he wants to go in the future, um, new TV deal coming up. So even there might be more opportunities with network, other networks to, to do that. So he's kind of testing the waters there. And for Ryan and Joey, I mean, Joey's a guy that's, you know, super aggressive on the track and sometimes can be a little bit difficult for, you know, people to like, but, you know, Joey does radio and Joey does a lot of these TV spots. And I think it kind of opens up his personality to the fans that they might not see and maybe have a little bit more of a softer side for Joey, even though he might be moving you out of the way on the track. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> always good to see. And Ryan, Ryan's always great too. He's, he's really come to his own and he's done several races this year. And this, this was a, another one and it's great to see. So we'll try to tip people off anytime we see that. Um, but yeah, lots of Ryan media this week between doing the Xfinity race and then also having the in-car camera, which is really cool to see during the race. Um, so we've, we've gone through our Coca-Cola 600 recap. We've gone through our fantasy report there. We've talked about Ryan in the booth. One other really cool thing we just wanted to bring up. Um, and you know, first of all, it's just a huge thank you. I think from you and me and our wives, um, and the other friends that, that got to experience this with us. But we were, if you listen to the, uh, the interview that we had with, uh, you know, Emma, uh, Conley and Leah Reeves from the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation, we were leading up to this event. They were having the Driving for Good charity golf event at the Top Golf in Charlotte. And they, you know, announced on that interview, they're, they're inviting Steve and I up there. So, you know, a couple of months have gone by. We've done our best to try to help promote this event. We've got, luckily, got to see a lot of you guys uh, that participated in the Blaney Wall of Fame that was at the event. Um, that was really cool to see. Um, but yeah, I think just from our hearts to them, thank you for inviting us to that event. And thank you for all the hard work that they really put into making it happen. Yeah. You know, the, the girls, um, you don't, you have no idea, you know, how big their foundation really is, but um, the faces that you see uh, behind the scenes setting up this event, and putting it together and all the people we got to see while we were there, um, you know, it just made it even more special. Um, you know, we get our couple minutes, um, of course, with Ryan and, and uh, the social media stuff today was actually, we had a picture up, uh, that we got to take with Ryan, our group and everything. Uh, Patty Auber, I do want to thank her because uh, she, she made sure that uh, we had all our, all our accommodations that we needed to get, when we got there and everything. Um, and, and then uh, I want to sh- thank uh, Josh Williams and Brittany Zamora too, because um, they reached out to us the day before 
and kind of made sure that uh, we were set up for the whole day um, going into the event and uh, just, just some, some great memories, some things we're never going to forget from those couple of days being down there in Charlotte. Um, like I said, we, we were in a booth down near the one end and uh, some other people were, were up, uh, you know, the celebrities, you know, who, you know, they had kind of had a little more secluded area so that, you know, cause it, you know, didn't want to bother everybody, but, um, uh, Dale jr. Was there, uh, name a couple of other people that you saw. Right? Yeah. I mean, um, and it's like, you know, I, I was talking to Steve about this before. It's like, we don't want to just name drop the people that were there, but I think what it shows you is just the respect that a lot of these people have for Ryan Blaney and, you yeah. know, his causes here trying to, to support UPMC and this fund a fellow program. So you did have, you know, major names coming to this event. Like you mentioned, Dale Earnhardt Jr., teammate Joey Logano was there, Daniel Hemrick, uh, who's a former cup and NASCAR Xfinity series driver, Cole Swindell, who's, you know, a country music superstar was at this event. Um, you know, some members, uh, you know, former members of Carolina Panthers or current members of Carolina Panthers were at this event, executives from Speedway Motorsports, um, pit crew members and other team Penske members, you know, were there supporting Ryan. So yeah. Uh, yeah. for me, it wasn't necessarily, it was cool, obviously, you know, to be in an event where you're, you know, within shouting distance of some of these people. But for me, it was just kind of heartwarming to see, you know, big names like that come and support something that mm -hmm. Ryan is putting on, you know, Ryan's a young driver in this sport. Obviously, you know, his family has some connections through Dave running in the sport for so long, but it's just, it was just amazing to see the respect that they have for Ryan and the Blaney family to come out and support something like this. Yeah, it, it just was a, it just was a wonderful event. I've um, I've helped run a couple charity golf outings in, in, in my area here uh, years ago, and uh, they're not easy to do. Um, you know, you're trying to organize people, trying to get them to do, uh, certain things by certain times, <laughs> get them in certain position. And I've never been to a top golf before. So, um, it was really interesting how the game was played and when, what kind of things we had to do. And, uh, you know, we had, um, I guess we invited, uh, Jerry, uh, Mariotti and his wife, Kirsten there. And, um, they, they had a great time. Um, they're old, uh, he's an old uh, Blaniac from the old, uh, quickest lap days. And, uh, they're winners too, right? Yes. They, they actually were one of the winners of the, of one of the uh, charity auctions. They won, uh, for the, uh, 600 for, uh, uh was it a skybox, whatever. So yeah, they, it was like a sweet experience at the Coca-Cola yeah. 600. So, so, you know, they were obviously in Charlotte early in the week and they turned around and drove back, but it was awesome. You know, we invited them to come down and then, you know, they turn around and show their gratitude by, um, you know, bidding and winning an item in the auction. So that was really cool to see. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, and, and the golfing was fun. You know, we, we sure we, we weren't there to win the event. You know? <laughs> Jerry <laughs> but, was uh, close though. Jerry, Jerry was, Jerry was pretty Jerry, close for Jerry's, Jerry's pretty course. good. Yeah. He kept us on track. Um, but it was so great to watch my wife, uh, wife swing a club. Um, she hadn't done it since high school, you know, and she was hitting those targets and outscoring me, you know, <laughs> so and I'll take it, you know? Um, yeah. I think that was happening a lot for us. Like we had the distance, but we weren't always accurate and no. they, you know, they, they, they weren't, they didn't have the distance, but they were a little bit more accurate. Yeah. They just kept putting it on the target, put it on the target. So God bless them. Um, but we all had such a great, great time. Um, like I said, um, Ryan, came down, take a picture with all of us. And that was great to have that, that moment or two. And, um, a couple of guys, like I said, we got a chance to BS with a couple of guys and that was nice to do meet uh we got to meet uh jonathan even 
uh, Ryan's crew chief. So that was, and it was real nice. Like you said, to see how many people who uh, want to be a part of things like that, you know, and want to help uh, foundation and uh, help, the, help the fund develop program uh, the way they did. I, I really said a couple of posts online when thanking people today that I hope it was a success. I'm pretty sure it was, um, you know, just from what we saw physically there. Um, and I really hope that, uh, that it's something I can do again in the future. Cause, uh, I really want to help them any way we can, uh, just like we do on this podcast all the time. Anytime they have some sort of new event or something like that, let us know, we'll help them as best that we can, you know, from where we're at. Yeah. So again, like I said, from the outset here, um, thank you for, and I'm going to probably leave some people out cause I don't know everybody behind the scenes, but thank you, uh, to everything to set up this event that was done by Aaron Blaney, Patty, uh, Leah Blaney Reeves, Emma Blaney Conley, uh, Lisa Blaney, who was out there as well, checking people in, you know, Dave and Dale were there, I think helping people set up and some other things. So when they talk about this being the Ryan Blaney family foundation, uh, pretty much everybody in that family stepped up to help so, to get this event off the ground, uh, make sure everything was running smoothly throughout Um I was, I think I mentioned to Leah in a message the day after, like, hopefully they had some time to catch their breath because those, those folks were working really hard. Um, so it kind of shows the dedication that they have to this foundation and to, to supporting their causes. So, like I said, from the bottom of our hearts, you know, from us and our wives and Jerry and his wife as well. Um, thank you uh, for having us. And um, like Steve said, hopefully it was uh, an amazing success and we look forward to uh, helping and supporting uh, them and anything they do in the future. So Steve, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of the Team Blaney podcast. I want to thank everyone once and again for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just check out our debut episode from our very first season that dives deep into how we became fans of the Blaney racing family. You can interact with us on Twitter and Facebook at Team Blaney and on Instagram at team.blaney. And finally, we were just talking them up. We want to encourage you to help support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization that's championed by Ryan and his family supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine through their Fund a Fellow program. You can find out more about the foundation online at ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or on all of their very active social media channels. For my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Good night, Dublin. Well, thanks everybody for coming. Hope you enjoyed it.